two places. Have a chair, a little rocking chair that kind of symbolizes that chair in your living room or that den that's your chair where you sit and you have grandkids that come and sit in your lap or you have your children that come and sit in your lap. That's what this chair represents. Okay, so I'm going to sit down a minute. Y'all just pray. Okay? Let's see here. A mother held her newborn baby and very slowly rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she held him, she sang, I love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living. Yeah, you got it. Forever you'll be. The baby grew, he grew, and he grew, and he grew. He grew until he was two years old. And he ran all around the house. He pulled all the books off the shelves. He pulled all the food out of the refrigerator. And he took his mother's watch and flushed it down the toilet. Sometimes his mother would say, this kid is driving me. There you go. But at nighttime, when that two-year-old was quiet, she opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor. What was that? Wow. Looked up over the... I'm not going to blow up, is it, Matt? Looked up over the side of his bed, and if he was really asleep, she picked him up and rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, I love you forever, I like you for always. As long as you're living, as long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. Little boy grew. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was nine years old, and he never wanted to come in for dinner. He never wanted to take a bath, and when Grandma visited, he always said bad words. Sometimes his mother wanted to sell him to the zoo. Sounds familiar, doesn't it, parents? Yep. But at that ni at nighttime, when he was asleep, the mother quietly opened the door to his room, crawled across the floor, looked up over the side of the bed. If he was really asleep, she picked up that nine-year-old boy and rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang, I'll love you forever, I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. The boy grew. He grew and he grew and he grew. He grew until he was a teenager. He had strange friends. Yes. And he wore strange clothes, and he listened to strange music. Sometimes his mother felt like she was in a zoo. But at nighttime, you know the story, she'd crawl across the floor, sing that song. I love you forever, like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. And that teenager grew, he grew, and he grew. He grew until he was a grown-up man. He left home and got a house across town. But sometimes on dark nights, the mother got into the car and drove across town. I don't recommend this. <laughs> if all the lights in her son's house were out, she opened his bedroom window, crawled across the floor, <laughs> and looked over the side of the bed. If that great big man was really asleep, she picked him up and rocked him back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And while she rocked him, she sang... I love you forever, like you for always, as long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. Well, that mother, she got older. She got older and older and older. One day she called up her son and said, you'd better come see me because I'm very old and sick. 
So her son came to see her. When he came in the door, she tried to sing the song. And she sang, I'll love you forever, like you for always, but couldn't finish it. The son went to his mother. He picked her up and rocked her back and forth, back and forth. And he sang, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always, as long as I'm living. My mommy, you'll be. Wow. Just children's book. Are you kidding me, Jack? You crying? It's a kid's book, Jeff. It's a kid's book. The Bible says in 3 John 4, I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. Wow. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that as we open your word this morning that you'll be honored, you'll be glorified. I pray, Lord, that, that God, that you will hear our hearts cry for you today. And for those that are maybe in this place this morning that don't know you as their Lord and Savior, they'd come to know you. The family would mean more to them after they leave this place today. I pray, God, for those grandparents and parents that are struggling. I pray, Lord, that today would be an encouragement to them. I just pray, Father, that you will be evident in the midst of your word. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now, did y'all show the picture? There they are. That's the greatest place on earth right there. I've got one white chair and a red chair. One's in the living room, one's in the den. And when those two, Jackson, he was in 10th grade laying on top of me, he swallows me up now. And then Caroline, just a few weeks ago, that's the greatest place on earth, is sitting in that chair and have them come and sit in my lap. I absolutely love it. But you know what? This particular place here, I've got one of these prayer benches in my office in my home. And every time I go in my office in my home, it reminds me this is the greatest place because that's when I go on their behalf to my Father. And I pray for them. And I lift them up. And I pray for their walk with Christ. And I pray for their witness and I pray for them to guard their character and be a person of integrity and all those things that I pray for. So those chairs signify the love that they can give to me. This signifies the love I can give to them. So take your Bible and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and I want to begin reading in verse number 14. Paul is obviously talking to the church of Corinth, and he says in verse 14 of chapter 4, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. Therefore I exhort you, be imitators of me. 
For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways, which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some I have become arrogant as though I were not coming to you, but I will come to you soon if the Lord wills. So here we have a little time for us to answer a few questions that I've come up with this morning. And it's this relationship between Paul and those that he had a strong bond with because of the gospel and them coming to know Christ and them choosing the way. But here's the first question this morning. Why did Paul care? Why does Paul care? Why, why Why does he even care about talking to those believers? Number one, you see, is in verse number 14. It says, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. So the first point is this, is because he loved them. He loved them. He had a bond because he loved them. He uses the word beloved. Look at verse 14 again. It says, but to admonish you as my beloved children. Beloved is from the verb agapo, which refers to the strongest kind of love, the deepest love. It is more than a brotherly love, like phileo, like the brotherly, you know, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's more than just a tender affection. It is a love that is determined and it is willful, having the one purpose of serving the object of love. It just means more. The Corinthians did little to deserve it. They did little to deserve this type of love. So it wasn't something that Paul was giving them in return because they were so good to him. That's not it. They did little to deserve it, but they had it in full measure. He gave it anyway. Now, I want to ask you a question, grandparents or parents or anybody that has somebody that you influence. You may not be a grandparent, you may not be a parent, but there's somebody in your life that you influence. Do they always deserve the love? Huh? Okay, it's just my two? Really? Y'all a bunch of lying folks up in here, because I'm telling you, altar's gonna be full, Brother Matt. They don't always deserve it, do they? They don't, they don't always make it a fun time at the household. Sometimes it's a real challenge to love them. But Paul loved them anyway. And he loved them with a deep, strong love. The deepest of love, that word their beloved means. His love for them gave everything and asked for nothing. Ask for absolutely nothing. It was self-sacrificing love. It was far-reaching and everlasting. Now, that's the kind of love we like to talk about when we talk about loving our children, isn't it? It's a self-sacrificing love. It's a far-reaching love. It's an everlasting love. It's deeper than just an affection. And it's not met on conditions It's an unconditional type of love. Josh McDowell talks about love. 
And he talks about love and he gives an example. And the way he describes love is this. You love something when you'll protect it to the very inch of your life. When you care about something so much that you will protect it, you love it. That's why when somebody comes at one of your kids, mama bear comes out, right? That's when something happens to one of your grandkids, grandpappy or nana or whatever it is, comes, comes out, doesn't it? Because they're messing with somebody that you absolutely, in everything that you have, love. Paul had that kind of love. We'll give you an acrostic for love. Love, L means listening when another is speaking. Listening when another is speaking. O, overlooking petty faults and forgiving all failures. V, valuing other people for who they are. And E, expressing love in a practical way. So that's something you can take back and you can kind of put in in the back of your mind when you say you love something, those are the things that you could say. Now I want to focus on the O, overlooking petty faults and forgiving all failures. I want you to look at this shirt. Saw it, liked it, told Nana, got it. There's something about grandparents, they just overlook those things that mom and daddy don't overlook. Mike and Carol Jones talked about that, right? In that video, there's just certain things that grandparents overlook that parents don't overlook anymore. They don't do it. But he saw it, liked it, told the right person about it, and he got it. There's a love that grandparents have and parents have for their children and grandkids. So the first question is, why did Paul care? It's because he loved them. Number two is, how do we know Paul cared? How do we know he loved them? Well, the first thing is, he had a special relationship with them. Look at verse 15 with me. It says, for if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I became your father through the gospel. You see, whenever we share the gospel with someone and have the joy of leading him or her to Christ, we become a spiritual father, a spiritual parent in his or her life. And he had that type of bond. Now, that spiritual parent does not mean and doesn't give us any special authority over him, but it does create a special relationship that God can use to help him grow. It's very important to see that Paul, he was their spiritual father. He says in verse number 15, for if you were to have countless tutors in Christ, he was more than just a tutor in Christ. He was more than just somebody that gave him some good information, gave him some spiritual advice. He was a lot more to them. Tutor there refers to home instructors, usually slaves during those days, who were responsible for the basic training and the moral upbringing of the children in the home. And Paul says, listen, I'm declaring to you, I am even more than that in your life. So he had a very special relationship with the people that he was talking to, that he loved. Number two, he admonished them. Now, you know where I'm going with this. You know, 
Look at verse number 14. It says, I do not write these things to shame you, but to admonish you as my beloved children. In other words, the word admonish there means literally to put in the mind. And it has the purpose of warning and reproving. Folks, we love our kids, so we warn them. We put into their mind, this is something you do, this is something that you don't do. This is what you need to know what you're going to do when you get into that situation and that circumstance and you walk into that. This is what you need to do then. We do all that we can to warn them. And Paul is trying to warn them. He's warning them on what they're doing wrong in their walks with the Lord. Now, he, he says it's something different about shaming. Look at verse 14 again. It says, I do not write these things to shame you. Now, the word shame there means to make them cringe or cower. Now, have you ever been around those that cringe and cower when their parent starts talking to them? And that's not the kind of parenting that Paul's talking about here, being a spiritual father to them. He's not talking about making that child cringe and being scared to death. No, he wants to admonish them. He wants to tell them and warn them and to put into their mind the things of God. And that's how we want to be with our children. Amen? That's how we want to be with our grandchildren. Amen? That's how we want to be. We don't want them to walk in the room and be scared to death of us. So we don't want to be that kind of a parent either. When you look, when you're admonishing, you're looking out for someone's best interest and caring enough to do something about it. And there's just something about grandparents. There's something about grandparents' love that they have for their grandkids. They just have that way about them. They can tell you what you need to hear and you can receive it well. They just have this unbelievable ability to take a tough subject and talk to their grandkids about it, and it's a lot easier for them to do that than their mom and dad can. Am I right? It's just amazing. My children can receive instruction and warning from their grandparents a lot easier than they can from me. There's something beautiful about that relationship that grandparents have. How many times have you heard something from your grandparents that really went directly against what you were doing, but you received it well? And it's because you have this respect for them, and they just have this wonderful way of just sitting down and talking to you. Sometimes I don't talk very well. Sometimes my emotions may get ahead of me as daddy. Now, y'all aren't guilty of any of that. I am. Y'all got it all together. I'm the one that's having to learn everything. Sometimes I just forget. I just need to sit and talk to them. Just have a discussion. And listen back. Sometimes I don't want to listen too much, Jeff. I just don't want to. My grandfather had, my grandfather, Papa, Jack Fight, who was a member of this church for many years, who sat right up there in the tenor section, Brother Matt. 
He had the most unbelievable ability when I walked in the room. He had my full attention as a grandchild. It was unreal. He was my hero. And I walk in, and he would start talking to me. Just, how's it going, Jack? And this is all the way up, all the way until he passed away in 2010. And there was something about it when I'd walk in there. It's just, he, all he had to say, I hung on every word. He used to talk about my weight. Now, Mama says something about my weight. I get mad. He used to sit me down, and Brian, he used to sit me down, and he'd take me, and he'd say, Jack, now I've got to talk to you about something. And I'd say, yes, sir. He'd say, you've you got to work on your mouth. You, you're mouth of the South. He could talk to me about my mouth, Susie. My mouth, my mouth, my mouth. My mama says something about my mouth, I'd start talking even more. There was something special about that. He also could talk to me, Jack, are you sure you want to buy that? You sure you really want to buy that? Because he knew the value of a dollar. And he could talk to me about something that my mom could say, you don't need to buy that. And I'd say, well, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> Bless God, I'm doing it. I'm out of the house. I'm paying my own bills, you know. And Papa, he'd look at me and say, Jack, you don't need to buy it. I won't buy it. I swear I won't do it. <laughs> Grandparents have a wonderful way to do this because they love them. They love their grandkids. Parents, and they love their, you know, their kids. They have a special relationship, and they can admonish. They can warn you, and that's what Paul was trying to do. But what was his message? And this is when it kind of turns into a little bit of, uh-oh, part of the sermon. This was his message. What was Paul's message? Verse number 16. He says, therefore I exhort you, be imitators of me. The word imitate means mimic. He says, basically, copy what I do. Do as I do and do as I say. Not like I do sometimes. Do as I say, not as I do. Paul said, with confidence... Do as I do, do as I say, and do as I do. He could confidently say to his followers, those he was spiritual parents for, live the kind of life I'm living as I follow after Christ. Now, folks, I want you to think about that. Can you walk into your grandchild's room or daddy or mama, can you walk into your child's room and can you with confidence, not arrogance, but with confidence because you are confident in your walk with Christ, in humility, look at your grandchildren or your, or your child and say, walk my walk as I walk for Jesus. Now, that's hard. That's really hard because it makes you come face to face with reality of who you and I really are in our relationship with God. It makes you come to that mirror 
as God's word is, and you're looking at yourself, and you're saying, I don't know about that, Jack. I don't know if I could do what Paul did. I don't know if I could confidently say to my grandkids or to my children or to those I influence, walk my walk today because it's going to look a lot like Jesus' walk today. He said there's no question about who he's following. Look at verse number 17. For this reason I have sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, and he will remind you of my ways which are in Christ, just as I teach everywhere in every church. So Paul's not just creating a new walk. He's following after the things of Christ, And so then he confidently says to the people that he is a spiritual parent to, walk as I walk. Imitate me. Wow. Mimic me. What does it mean to mimic Christ? I want you to look, go ahead and turn in your Bibles, if you will, to Galatians chapter 5, and I want to just read a couple of scriptures here as we begin to close this thing out. Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse number 22. Very familiar text, but then on down a little bit, you're going to be reminded. It says, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and following, says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit." Our lives should be a reflection of who is in us, Christ in us. Our lives should be a testimony of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I have a question for you. As we enter into a time of, of evaluation in our lives, can you confidently say, those traits you're living out. Because that's really the question for today. Are you walking by these traits? Now, I want you to look over in Philippians chapter 3, verses 14 and following. As Paul says this, he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude, and if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, it says, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. There you have it again. Paul confidently says, join me in my example. So as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed all over this place, Brother Matt's going to come in just a few seconds. Ms. Elizabeth is going to play for him. I asked Brother Matt if he would do me a favor and sing a song that I believe the words to this song will touch your heart.
because it reminds me of how important it is for me as a dad, you as a dad, you as a granddad or a grandmother or a mother or an influential person in someone's life. It could be a niece or a nephew or a friend's child, whoever it is, and they look up to you, how important it is to be living in such a way that you can confidently say, imitate me to your loved ones. And if you can't say that today, because there's something that's going on in your life and there's things going on in your life that you just haven't given over to God all the way, or if there's some things that's not the way you think they ought to be and God's convicting you of that, then today's the perfect day during this time to truly do business with God and let God speak to your heart and get right in your relationship with Him. Or maybe you're in this place and you're saying, I don't want them to mimic me because I don't know Jesus. And I need to get to know him. I need to know what you're talking about. I want to learn more about the greatest Savior, Christ the Lord. Maybe that's you today and you need to come and you need to say, I just need to get saved. I need to start my relationship so then I can look at my children or my grandchildren and say, mimic me. Dads, don't let your pride keep you in the seat today. Don't let your pride keep you from making that decision. Granddad, Grandmother, mom, let Jesus win today in your life.